0: Hey, how's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. Good to be with you all today and jam in. My name is Harrison Gilming, Director of Worship Arts.
1: Hey, this is Mike Moses, founding and lead pastor of Lake Forest Church, the family of churches. uh, Lead pastor of Lake Forest Church Huntersville these days, and one of the lead pastors in the family of churches. And I'm sitting here, Harrison, my hair and face are not singed here on Tuesday, (laughs) July 5th. Like our interns were on Sunday, July third, and if you don't know what that means, go back and catch up with worship on Sunday, because you're going to want to do that anyway. Because it was one of those days where this is really the kind of church we are, and um, and you want to be part of a Christian community like this, um, or not.
0: Uh speaking of Mike, uh Fourth of July. What 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 what'd you guys do on Fourth of July? You guys have a little tradition thing you do or you make it up each
1: year? We did when we had little scubers in the house. Um we are now empty nesters and I talk about that too much because I love it. Um I love to see them. (laughs) I love it. We kinda held it chill. I'm at my best when I come back to work, like after a holiday, if I've gone away for an overnight. So, we made the call while we were sitting eating leftovers of Sunday lunch on the the third. We're like, let's just go somewhere. So, we threw some stuff and hiking gear in our bags. We're like, I told you we'd rediscovered the Uwari Mountains, kind of hmm, between Asheville and uh, Concord and Albemarle, blah, 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 middle of the state. Super cool, bumpy, gentle mountains with hiking. There's a pottery area, a lot mm. of pottery center. And so we went and just drove, and we poked through a few little mountain towns. But Sunday afternoon on July 3rd, everything was closed in every little town. So we found ourselves in the little town of Ashboro, North Ooh. Carolina, south of Greensboro. Not exactly the proud destination. Hey, I'm on Instagram. I'm going to Ashboro, North Carolina for my 4th of July. But the little burned out formerly manufacturing downtown is revitalized. And so we poked around some pubs and some restaurants. We ate at the Flying Pig. Uh, it was cute as heck. It was really cute. And, we, and, and then we were like, what's near Ashboro for tomorrow? The North Carolina Zoo. So we mm-hmm. stayed in a Hampton Inn. That's the Moses Family Hotel of Choice. And we zooed it all day yesterday. The North That's Carolina awesome. Zoo, if you have not been in a long time. I haven't been since we had little kids and we had to skip most of it. Um it's this continuous trail it's linear, linear our state is so cool like it's good to be an american uh <laughs> like our state provides this and you start in north america and it's a linear trail and you go through all these habitats and you see incredible polar bears and allig- alligators and os ocel- it was amazing and then into the plains bison and elk which are, have been renamed wapiti The Hmm. American elk, elk. I did not know that. Me neither. And uh, and then in Africa, we had to see an elephant take itself a bath and spraying itself and it was just incredible. That's awesome. So, I,
0: I've never been to that zoo. I've only been down to the, the to the Columbia one.
1: Your children are deprived.
0: Well, then we'll go this summer. You, you must. Yeah, it's we will. really.
1: It is child centered. It's amazing. Awesome. You got to have a whole day. Yeah. It's inexpensive because it's state funded. Uh, a lot of private public private partnership. It's a great example hmm. of that. If you read the signs when you go around, that's like virtuous capitalism stuff. Like we live in a a country where that happens. That's a a, a great outfit you know that's why I'm not a pure libertarian myself, uh for example um so it and, and as we were driving home, we poked around the mountains a little bit more on our way home. We're just like how emotionally refreshing and recharging to see God's amazing creation mm. in animals, especially mammals. It was just good
0: that's cool.
1: How about you? Well, we uh,
0: we do have a tradition every year. I went on it, a little it,
1: long about that, but no, that was fun. <laughs> it was really good. That was fun. <laughs> I woke up refreshed.
0: <clears throat> so, um, I've I before moving here to Huntersville, we lived down in the South Charlotte area, and we we started going prep. many years ago. Yeah, <laughs>
1: You're such a prep.
0: I know, I know. Mm-hmm. Many years ago, we started going to every year uh, in the town of Indian Trail, uh, just just next to Matthews. Okay, that's but, not prepping, but, but, but exactly. much smaller. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's the country. There's a little uh, parade. Anyone can sign themselves up. There's, you know, fire trucks and ambulances. Everyone throws out candy. People (laughs) are walking down the streets selling cotton candy and water bottles. So uh, it's like become a thing, and now we have to do it every 4th of July. We can't skip it, and the kids have fun. They all have little bags with their names on it, pick up candy. The only day of the year that Emily Gilming will let my children pick up candy off of the ground <laughs> <laughs> and put it in their bag to be eaten later. So that's cute. I grew up a good in
1: Greensboro decorating my bicycle every 4th of July for that parade. That's awesome. Greensboro. Good times. That's great. Good times. Um, we would want you to go back and hear Sunday's message from the 3rd of July. It seems like most people did, uh, if they weren't here, I, I got a lot of messages from people who were watching it live or a little bit later. Um, it it was great to, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, our interns almost died, but they did survive.
0: And we found out that they are the reason that actually that the Death Star exploded, which is, it's a new addition into, into Star Wars. And
1: the popsicles after worship is going to be extended to week two because me and Andrew and all of us forgot to announce it at the first (laughs) service. Hey, get a popsicle on the way out. So we still have hundreds upon hundreds. So that'll be a thing next Sunday.
0: There's nothing wrong with that in the summertime. We could do I, it. We could do yeah, it every week. I think people would be happy. instead of
1: the coffee bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <The> Popsicle <laughs> bar. It's going to be a mid-90s <laughs> week. Yeah, right. Hey, um, this Sunday, uh, uh, in in this episode, I want to talk about, it's a little bit of a follow-up from the sermon that we were in, but uh, it, it's, it's really elucidating the final point, the difference between the political and hopefulness, and advocacy of an individual Christian and the church. Um, That was my final point Sunday, and I want to take off on that about the cultural moment that we're in. But first, our new sermon series starts this Sunday. It goes for six weeks, and it is...
0: Summer reading, and it is just a straight-ahead, six weeks, chapter-by-chapter kind of look at the book of Galatians, which uh, we do all kinds of teaching it's funny actually I, I, met, I had an opportunity you did as well mike i saw you talking to the met met a <clears throat> brand new first-time visitor couple and they were like so what's lake forest normally like and i'm like
1: I, uh <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> I, I was, sometimes we're in psalm 13 for six weeks
0: yeah it just changes a, a lot and and that's you know part of what we have talked about on here before that Uh, we, we we're built to operate in seasons. Uh, our brains are, are built to operate in rhythms and seasons. And we kind of try to reflect that in how we approach Sunday morning. We don't, uh, uh, spend, you know, multiple years going through one book verse by verse and say, this is what it is. And those that do, that's great. But we think, uh, we may spend some time in the Psalms. We may spend five more weeks talking just about the family. Now, for the summer, we're just talking about the book Galatians.
1: Yes, I'm looking forward to that. I already have my summer reading of fiction. Angie's book club read it, and she knew that I would like it because it's historical fiction. It's really great plot, and it's, it's pretty high uh, upmarket or almost literary fiction called A Gentleman in Moscow. I'm super enjoying that right now. But so Galatians will therefore be my uh, my summer reading in Scripture. Number one thing, guys, is uh, we want everyone at Lake Forest, and in, in spite of if you're at the beach or the mountains or the lake on the sandbar, um, we want us all to engage and be doing a Bible reading together. Mm-hmm. Jeff is going to uh, show us how to do that in Sunday. We're gonna this Sunday. We're gonna talk about how we're all gonna track together in our summer reading. We're going to use a similar, a same app, I believe, and reading plan. So please be here for that. We're also going to have a, a, a comment, a liturgical element that we share um, at the end of each Sunday, and we'll we'll see how that goes this week. That fits the book of Galatians. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, we're we're excited for it, and hope you guys join us for. If you want a little, a tiny bit of head start, if you don't have it already on your on your device, uh, there is an app. If you just go, actually, an Apple, go to the App Store and just type in Bible. Technically, it's called U Version, but that is uh, the main thing we're going to be using. If you don't have that, uh, built by uh, the guys and ladies, I'm sure, over at Life Church, big church spans across the country, built an awesome awesome free Bible app that is super good. I
1: believe is the first Bible app Mm -hmm. in all the app stores. So we'll, we'll be, we'll be giving people time to download that on their phone during the worship service Sunday. Hey, um, this morning, um, I want to talk about something that I heard from one of my favorite prognosticators of the church these days. He's a student of what God, the Holy spirit has been doing in recent church history what seems to be happening both positive and negative in the church across North America today and where it may be headed. His name is Ed Stetzer. He is the head of the Billy Graham Center for Evangelism at Wheaton College outside of Chicago, Illinois. We're sad for people in the Chicago region this, region this morning. Um, and he's, he wrote the textbook Planting Missional Churches that is the the 101 level textbook on church planting that I u- have used for a decade hmm. in my graduate school class on church planting. Um, so, Or like if a new elder comes onto our church planting team here for the family of churches, I give them that book. Um, he gave uh, a talk about where things are and where they're headed culturally and the church at our annual denominational meeting. And I just want to pass along some of his thoughts that were helpful to me. They seem to be helpful to our staff last week. And one of the things that we were talking about in this seminar was that we're in a time of cultural convulsion, like, duh, like, Mike, you're so smart. Uh, Thank you for telling me we're in a time of cultural convulsion. Um, But Ed, because he's smarter than me and most of us, um, he set this as actually a sociological category or or a history of sociology category that in the history of the United States, there seem to be these cycles when we go through an extreme cultural convulsion, and you could name many of them um, and he said they, they tend to they, they tend to not be um, any shorter than three to five years hmm. and in, by his reckoning and, and he was quoting some people um, we 're about two years into the extreme convulsion cycle of this culture convulsion. And that we should expect the current convulsion that we're in. And, and when we say that, we all talk about partisanship. We talk about, right, all the stuff. Um, and the pandemic, I, I don't know how much the pandemic uh, slingshotted us into it, or were we already in a cultural conversion? Who knows? We'll look back, and maybe historians will tell us. But that it's probably at least two, has two years to go, and then it might get worse before it gets better based on historical comparisons. Um, and therefore, in our church leadership, he was saying, he was speaking to pastors and elders, we need to be building uh, into the church world a, a reservoirs of resilience mm-hmm. for our church to traverse these next few years. And he was saying especially, hey, elders of the church, be a reservoir of resilience for your staff and pastors. But I think that applies to individual Christians just like me and Angie, um, we weren't sure if we wanted to spend the money going away, you know, gas and a hotel. And Angie's like, well, honey, there's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, you just preached a message that you may not have a job when you get back anyway. (laughs) So um, look, we need you to be at your most resilient. And and sure enough, that's the result. That's how I feel this morning. (laughs) And so I think that means for each of us spiritually and emotionally, You're going to need Reservoirs of resilience in your life For these next couple of years We've talked about that on here before Hmm. But Stetzer also talked about It not just being cultural convulsion But cultural acceleration It's accelerating trends That were already happening Um, And and we could all give examples Of that Um, And and then one of the accelerators Is technology Um, He gave an interesting historical example That uh, that um, Rome was a million people 2,000 years ago. Uh, they went through in the, in the Roman Empire lasted for hundreds of years, but they're identifiable cultural convulsions. One of them may have even the death of the empire. Um, there were a million people 2,000 years ago, like they were technologically like, proficient, the, and they had this new technology called hot and cold water. <laughs> uh, for the, the, this is for the leadership in society, right the elite. But you know how they did that, Harrison? I don't. They used lead pipes to heat hot water under the hmm. floor and then pipe it into stuff. Hmm. It was pretty cool technology, but it was killing them. Hmm. It was killing the upper classes slowly because of what lead does to you. And, and it's thought that that was a huge technological advance that actually accelerated the decline of the empire. Um, and then he said this, and he held up his cell phone. this new technology is cool new technology, but it's killing us. We all know that in the last decade, depression is up, accelerated the last couple of years. Suicide is up, accelerated the last couple of years, but but those statistics are consonant with the rise of the smartphone and social media. We know that division is up at, at the same period as social media and smartphone, Uh, And there are algorithms in this thing that we allow on our bodies, just like the lead pipes they allowed in their houses. Those algorithms are designed to make us more divided Hmm. and not see reasonable arguments from the other side. So this is one reason why nobody's solving that tomorrow or today. And we're not going to do that on this podcast uh, unless, Harrison, what's what's the answer? I'm ready to solve it right now,
0: actually. Yeah, let's go. (laughs) Yeah three thing
1: that's the three. that's the answer oh, the, the answer, answer is, is three. three. Oh,
0: okay i thought it was going to be we, 42
1: we just solved <laughs> the the pro okay we're not going to solve that um and and then he was like you know this divisiveness if cable news is causing you to drop out of fellowship with your church cut the cord man tune it out stop listening to a person that you don't know a million miles away and and listen to the pastor the elders and just the regular old people you do know um, so he talked about that for m- most churches that aren't going th- – th- that are relatively healthy, attendance has been down after the pandemic compared to pre-pandemic, and giving is relatively steady, uh, and that's been true for our congregation. Um, and he's like, so, so w- w- what does this mean for us as the church? Well um, – and, and this was where he gave us the pep talk. <laughs> Um, and, and this gets to the, my last point yesterday, uh, Sunday's sermon was on the Christian and politics. And my final point, after a lot of them, was that we believe that one of the implications of everything I shared is that individual Christians are to advocate for individual partisan policies, specific public policies, candidates, and parties, but that churches are never to, almost never to advocate for specific candidates, policies, parties, never to engage in partisanship. Because we're still to be super clear that our main goal, the thing we exist to do, is to make more and better disciples of Jesus. Uh, Christian disciples, part of their life is to do that. Part of their life is also to contribute in society as a citizen. Um, So what do we do as the church in the middle of all this division and this cultural convulsion? And he said, well, our theology and our Bible don't change. We, we don't pause the mission. It just creates new challenges. And that's what your church staff and elders are wrestling with all the time. But here's, here's really the, the heart of what I wanted to pass on to you, my friends, this morning, because it was encouraging to me and encouraging to our staff. He's like, okay, Harrison, when was the last time that America went through such a high level of a notable cultural convulsion?
0: Uh, I believe I remember from staff, but why don't you go ahead and tell me, Mike, so I don't embarrass myself.
1: (laughs) Oh, that was a leading question if ever there was one. Yeah, the late 60s. Go back to 1968, and, and this has been widely covered. You've probably heard reference to this. The world was also on fire, the late 60s. If you know any, some of you lived through that. I was not hugely sentient. I was playing on my... Hobby horse uh, in the late sixties, the world was on fire. It was similarly polarized in a way that was confusing and alarming to Americans. Um, think of this: Doctor Martin Luther King Jr. was a assa- there was this there seemed like this huge progress. Civil rights legislation was passed, and Doctor King was assassinated. Um, you know that when Doctor King was assassinated. Some students at Wheaton College, which was the premier Christian college at that day, uh, many would say today, they held a vigil to uh, recognize that Dr. King was assassinated. And guess what? That got out to alumni, and a whole bunch of alumni wrote into Wheaton and said, "If y'all are having a vigil for Dr. King, we're pulling our money out of Wheaton College." Think of how hmm. how that sound, how polarized the nation was in that time. Um, this is when um, uh, Robert, uh, our president, was assassinated in the sixties. Hmm. The Vietnam War—were you for it or against it? And people were spitting on our military veterans coming home, protesting the war. I mean, it was uh, the hippies versus the traditionalists. The all of the the there was this realignment. Remember. The Southern Democrats were the conservative party in many ways, and this is when these lines started crossing of which is which, right? Everybody's familiar with all this. I don't need to trace it. And in the middle of all that, what were Christians asking God to do? I I can't answer that, but in 1968, a pastor in Southern California, in L.A., said to his high school daughter, I want to meet a hippie churches were demonizing the hippie movement uh, and the baby boomers like Free Love and, right, drug culture became this thing, which all those are now rich baby boomers, uh, which is funny, Um, retiring. Uh, But in 1968, this pastor of a conservative evangelical church said, I want to meet a hippie. And so she started bringing some hippie friends (laughs) over to their house. And he started... Just um, this informal conversations about spirituality and the Lord. He started a Monday night gathering specifically for hippies, and he would talk about hippie Jesus. I, I don't know the specifics of this, um, and he and he started it. Outgrew their house, so he started having it at the church where he was pastoring. And after a while, up to a thousand hippies were showing up on Monday nights at this Southern California church. Well, the elders started complaining. Like man, um, th- these hi- these hippies coming in—they're ruining the carpet because they walk in barefoot, straight from the beach and the street, and they don't believe in showering. And so there was this battle in the church hmm. between the pastor and and the leaders, going, "Hippies don't belong in church." Well, this pastor soon moved the hippie service to the Sunday service, and. This started spreading to other congregations in the l a basin and then up in, and it became thousands of hundreds of congregations up and down California and then thousands across america hmm. that That pastor was Chuck Smith, that church was calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California It became the Calvary Chapel movement um, <clears throat> this This was a revival. <laughs> This was a rene- a spiritual renewal in America, Harrison. Uh, any of you listening who grew up in a church youth group in the 70s or 80s, you might have seen that paper Bible with the cardboard cover with the hippie writing that said, The Way. Hmm. Are you old enough to have ever seen those? It
0: sounds super familiar. I probably <laughs> did.
1: You probably, yeah. H- who knows? Your dad. I, I grew up in church as your parents. So, yeah. your parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what came out of this? that is the church that allowed guitar and drums in church there were probably some examples of that before of contem- you know right mm-hmm. allowing the 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 musical the the musical um style of the soul of that generation in worship but this is where that happened and it blew it was a holy spirit bomb went off of jesus music this is what's called the jesus people you guys can google it the jesus people Movie. It was this huge, huge revival, literally a revival across America. That is um, that is why in 1993, I was, as far as we know, and because our pastors were interested in this at the time, I was the first pastor in Memphis, Tennessee to wear blue jeans on Sunday mornings. And that was remarkable in Memphis in 93, but it wasn't, you know— Uh, I didn't get kicked out because this Jesus people movement had been flowing all over the country. It was a Holy Spirit movement, and it led to so many people coming to faith in Christ um, that had been resistant before because the good news and the worship of Jesus was contextualized in a winsome way. I mean, I guess you could say to hippie culture,
0: Mm -hmm. right? which is super, I mean, it's interesting hearing it all laid out like this, because uh, even still with that explosion, um, you know, if you even rewound to the end of the 90s, I remember uh, that the church that I kind of grew up in, I started playing music in, it was still, and in a culture in South Florida, this wasn't even like a this wasn't even like a historically religious culture where I grew up down Fort Lauderdale, Miami territory, but it was like in the, at the, at the turn of the, of, of the two thousands there having a church that was quote unquote contemporary. That yeah. was not a traditional church where there, where there were uh, instruments and drums and guitars and stuff like that. This, this would have been 30 years after Chuck Smith began this still in 2000 was something where people were like, this is a big deal. Like this is not normal. And now obviously 20 year, 20 something years past that, uh, it is not a strange thing at all for people to walk into a church and have their beat. But, but man, it, it was, uh, even all the way up until, you know, Y2K days, that was something that was like, there are books being written. How do you transition your church from being traditional to contemporary and people are going to be mad? We're going to lose people. Like, it's yes. a big deal.
1: When we started Lake Forest here in Huntersville in 1998, I was very aware we would be only the second church that I could identify w- with a, a modern musical worship style. Hmm. Um, not the, And again, that just sounds kind of... St- um, like a small thing today, but it wasn't. We sent out three mailers to the area. The first one looked like a it looked it, it attempted to look like a very personalized baby shower invite, and it said, "Hey, you're invited um, to the uh, to celebrate the uh, uh, the a brand new baby." And there was a on the front was a little I don't know baby bassinet picture, and it was pink and blue. And you open it up, a brand new baby church. And it was October eighteenth, nineteen 1998, in the skating rink. The second week was an ad that said, drums in church? Question mark? And i drums in church. Yeah, we love that. Whatever the copy read. The third week was guitars in church. Guess who brought her parent as an eighth grader? There was a family who had just moved here from San Francisco, so they were a little bit of, because Bank of America had bought whatever, NCNCNCNB NCNB, bank here. They had moved here from, the father was an executive with them, with Bank of America, and they moved here within the month or two, and uh, they were going to start looking at churches. They were faithful Christian people, and the eighth grade girl got that um, drums in church, and she's like, I want us to visit there first, and like any parent of a teenager, like, hey, if, if the teenager said it, we're all about that. Yeah. They came our second Sunday. That was the Dave and Joyce Grimes family, and that was Mandy Grimes who brought her family to church, who is now Michael Flake's wife, That's right. uh, Mandy Flake. We, ha- Which Angie and I had lunch with Michael and Mandy and their two adorable girls just Saturday at Chick-fil-A. We hadn't caught up in a few months. Um, uh, so, yes, that was remarkable even then. Uh, so, But what if – so the world was on fire just as much in the late 60s as it is today. And, and what if that – and this is the difference. As an individual Christian, you should be praying about what is God doing in this moment. But also as a citizen, you ought to advocate for how you see it, how you're applying your faith to public policy and, and, and uh, uh, specific bills and candidates, etc. The church is to be about what is the moment where the Holy Spirit might bring revival through us. Could we be at a new moment like that? Um, and, like, I don't have trouble asking God for that and believing God for that because, Harrison, I live a perpetually encouraged life because I've read the end of the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, I am an optimist by nature, but I've read the rest of the book. Like, I know where Jesus has it all headed, and people look at everything like, it's not working. Everything's going to blow up. You know, what about the war? The nation's divided. And I'm like, you know what Jesus does in moments like this throughout history? He brings revival. And I think one of the ways we're most likely to participate in revival is by continuing to invest in fresh young leaders envisioning new iterations, new versions of the church, that it'll be the younger heart who can see it, how the gospel contextualizes to the heart of these newer generations who are saying, in the words of Switchfoot, we don't want the wars of our fathers. We want more than this world that can offer, than what your generation made up. We don't want this world on fire. I think it's going to be new leaders, and that's why we invest in new church planting pastors, mm-hmm. both here in the family of churches and around the country.
0: And this sounds weird to say, but as as you talked about with us with staff, as you and I have talked about, Mike, like, if if it ever— feels discouraging. One thing I think a lot about as a sports fan, cause my brain is broken and I've processed a lot of things through that filter. Cause there's <clears throat> something deeply wrong with me. Uh, but there there's kind of a, a phenomenon, uh, nowadays in the social media era with sports where it's kind of like the, the, uh, recency bias. That's the name for it. It's okay. kind of like, yes. mm-hmm. it's the idea that whatever just happened, was it really as great as I thought? thought that it was when I see, uh, you know, when you see Patrick Mahomes go in the Super Bowls, this young guy and he's doing stuff, it feels like no one's ever done before. And you kind of take a step back and you're like, okay, has this really never happened before? Or are people just freaking out because this is the Twitter (laughs) era. We can share all the highlights in a heartbeat. These things go viral. So there, there is like a strange bit of encouragement to me, at least in the middle of, Finding ourselves, like you said, in a in a moment of cultural upheaval or some kind of change happening, that this feels like this has never happened before. But as as you mentioned, Mike, you brought this up in that same upheaval in the '60s. There were you know dozens of of students students at yes. Kent State College that were were killed on their own. Kent, like if that happened today uh, in the Twitter age, By the be, National Guard, it'd be crazy. It was a tragedy. Oh, yeah. Tragic mistake. It'd be crazy. Yeah. It, it, it was a terrible tragedy, but it's like we, we've we've been in seasons of upheaval before. We're in one now, but there is kind of a little bit of uh, of a take heart, not to diminish where we are, but to say there's kind of this thing. Uh, the guy who was a the pastor of that that church uh-huh. that I was at at the turn the turn of the century, okay. a guy named Dan <laughs> Sutherland, used to say this yeah. all the time, and it stuck in my brain where. Uh, he's been a guy who's been kind of like a life mentor for me. And Dan, Dan always say in his big old Texas accent, he'd be like, H, you may be surprised by this, but God, God's not surprised. And that always <laughs> just one of those things that stick with me where it's like, you know, he's, you can take some comfort in that. I think as a yes. Christ follower where it's like this, there's, there's none of this that made God go like, Oh no. Oh, what is hat What's happening now? This is terrible. This isn't, is imp-
1: yeah, so he is the sovereign Lord who knows the end from the beginning. So, um, uh, th- friends, uh, that's just a bit of a follow on to Sunday. Yes, you, in the midst of this cultural convulsion, it's important for you to care about what God leads you to care about. You're you're part of the character and the ethics of God applied to public policy through the heart and passion He's given you. Advocate for that. Advocate for the candidates for the country to go in the direction you you see it as more righteous that 's good as a church. join as the church, however, in praying for revival that out of the, that ultimately our heart and eternal mission is to see more people come into the fold uh, of the knowledge and love of God through Jesus Christ uh, through his work on our behalf on the cross and through the resurrection. And so let's pray for revival, for revived and refreshed expressions of the gospel that will speak the language that's needed that people of this generation and the next can hear better uh, than the ways we're speaking today. And so I finish with a couple of scriptures. Psalm 85, verse 6. Lord, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? How much did... God's people rejoiced when they started seeing hippies and droves coming to faith. When they had thrown up their hands for a decade and said, the world's just going to hell in a handbasket. How encouraging was that when you started to see that revival take place? Again, Psalm 85, verse 6, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Maybe we have eyes to see pockets of revival, and may we rejoice in the Lord when we see it. Um, and then um, Psalm 80, verse 18. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. In Habakkuk 3.2, I'll finish with this. Habakkuk 3.2, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In your wrath, remember mercy. Lord, we're in all of your deeds in Scripture, your saving acts. We're in all of your deeds in church history. We have seen you do mighty things to change cultures, to change individuals, to change nations and the course of human history through the power of the gospel. Would you do it again in our time, and would you use us, Lord, as part of that? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.